0: This is Search for Truth. It's great to have your company and thanks for tuning in. Once again, our teacher Brian Johnston is going to use the Bible to emphasise to us that our Christian salvation is absolutely secure. Our series is called Once Saved, Always Saved, and today's study of the Scriptures shows how we may lose our reward but not the gift of salvation. So, now to Brian.
1: Thanks, John. I once heard about a cab driver who found a purse containing $7,000, which was left by a woman passenger on the back seat of his taxi. $7,000 in $100 bills. He found her address in the purse, drove five miles to return it to her, and the woman so graciously and generously gave him $5 as a reward for his honesty. On the other hand, God speaks of giving some great rewards for serving Christians. In this series of programmes, we've already talked about good works only becoming relevant after salvation. We were at that time looking at Ephesians chapter 2, when we read in sequence about when we were sinners, when we were saved, that's those of us who have received God's grace and faith through Christ, and then when we began to walk in good works, which God had long before planned for us to do as Christians. We were saying back then that our efforts don't bring about salvation. Only God's grace can accomplish that. But once we receive salvation as God's gift to repentant sinners, it's then that we are under obligation to perform good works in service for God. So let's be clear. Good works are after, not before, salvation. But it's certainly not the case that God is obliged to reward us for these good works which we're now called to do. In Luke chapter 17, the Lord Jesus tells this story. Which of you, having a slave, ploughing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? and afterward you may eat and drink. He doesn't thank the slave because he does the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you say, we are unworthy slaves, we have done only that which we ought to have done. So let's get this straight. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to be delivered from the judgment which our sins truly deserve in the sight of an infinitely holy God. And nor do we deserve to be rewarded for anything we do in service for God after our salvation. If we do what's commanded of us, as servants of the Lord, then we're really only doing what ought to be done, nothing more. But God is so gracious that he'll even reward our service, the things which we've truly done for him and for others during our lives as Christians. And his rewards will not be like the stingy five dollars which the taxi driver got in our opening story. No, the Bible talks about crowns. Yes, crowns. There's the crown of righteousness in two Timothy four and eight, for all who've looked for and loved Christ's appearing. There's the crown of glory in two Peter five and four, for those who've been good shepherds of God's flock, of God's people. And there's the crown of life in James 1 and 12, for those who show their love for the Lord by persevering under trials in this life. These rewards are future when the Lord returns. We have to wait for them. He says in the Bible's last chapter, I am coming and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. A newspaper article reminded me of the kind of delayed returns we should be living for. It told of a car dealer who went out of his way to give a foreign student an honest deal on a new car. Fifteen years later, that foreign student had become the sole purchasing agent for a national organisation. He showed his gratitude for the kindness he had received by placing a multi-million dollar order with that same car dealer. It's unbelievable, exclaimed the car dealer. The good he had done was rewarded years later beyond his wildest imagination. Just as that car dealer's reward came later, so too the Lord will commend us when he returns. If we do good to others in order to have their immediate thanks, we've already had our reward. But if we do good to others, for God's sake, the future return will be sure and generous. But what if, Instead of doing good deeds which please God, for which one day he'll reward us, what if instead we backslide? That was the possibility of which the Apostle Paul reminded his brothers and sisters in the church of God at Corinth, as he urged them in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9 to have as their ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Let's be totally clear about what this is saying. If we've committed our life at some time to Christ, we'll never come into judgment. That's the Lord's own promise to each of us in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 24. We've passed from death to life. We already have eternal life, and we'll never come into judgment or condemnation. When Jesus Christ returns, as he has promised, first to the air for his church, that is, for all believers, both the living and the dead, it's at that time that we'll all stand before his assessment tribunal. That's all we who are true believers. He'll not be judging us there as sinners. That was all dealt with at the cross. But he'll be judging us there as servants. At that future personal assessment of our life of Christian service, there'll be the possibility of reward or loss of reward depending on our performance. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I planted... Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Each Christian is a builder. In terms of the figure of speech Paul's using here, we either build with incombustible materials or with combustible materials – That is, either with stuff that cannot burn or with stuff that can burn. The person building with stuff that burns is the backslider, the Christian who's not following God's plan, the Christian who's not doing the things God wants him or her to do, or who maybe is doing things that seem fine, but the motivation behind them is all wrong. At that future meeting, which we'll each have with Christ, there'll be a fiery testing of our works. It'll be a flame test. If it burns, it wasn't any good. Imagine the worst then that could happen for a Christian. They watch all their life's work go up in smoke. They lose therefore all their potential reward. There's nothing left for which to be rewarded. Nothing has withstood the fire. But what about the individual concerned? Did you catch Paul's reassuring words in that baseline case? If any man's work is burned up, He'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so us through fire. Ah, thank God for that. So then, here's what we're seeing from our Bibles. There are rewards for faithful service, which we may fail to gain, as distinct from the gift of salvation itself. Salvation itself is not a reward. It cannot be lost, but we may, in some sense, suffer loss. That means the loss of potential rewards we may have gained if we'd lived a life pleasing to God. I trust today we've made that biblical distinction clear. As well as giving you the incentive to live well for the Lord, the greatest possible motivation is contained in the verse from 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, with which we close today's message. Listen for the last line. Therefore, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God.
0: Thanks, Brian, for your uh, study of the Scriptures today. And uh, in the words of our hymn, we're invited to remember that before the Holy Judgment Throne in a future day, we'll see as we in all bow down our works in fire betried. In view of that devouring flame, be this our prayer and this our aim, in Him may we abide. So let's all seek to be well pleasing to our Lord and Master, because we do not know how long it will be until we meet him. If you'd like to study this subject in greater detail, then send for the transcript booklet. Uh, If you'd like one or several for group study, ask for the title Once Saved, Always Saved and you can contact us by email or by post. Here's the address. Search for Truth PO Box 70115 Chilomini, Blantyre, Malawi and the email address is sft.churchesofgod.info. You can also find some uh, past programmes, selection, uh, and some other helpful material on our website, and if you want to, you can go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So, many thanks for the privilege of your company today. I hope you enjoyed today's programme and can join us again next week. But until then, we give our very best wishes from teacher Brian, technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye for now and may God richly bless you.